Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Join Mason and Jake each week as they try new wines and discover how much government is in your drink. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Tasting Anarchy. I'm your host, Jacob Lindsay, and as always, I'm joined by Mason Joseph. And uh, we have a a very special guest this week, uh, somebody that we met in person over the Childeberg holiday weekend and uh, who we've... I think we've interacted with on – well, I've interacted with on Twitter. Mason's not really a Twitter person, but uh, <laughs> who, who I've, I've interacted with on Twitter for, for quite some time. Uh, we're joined by Agora Brewing. Uh, I don't know if you want to use your first name or not, but I'll call you Agora unless you decide you want to use your first name. Yeah, first names are fine. So okay. Cody. All right. Well, we're joined by Cody. Yeah. All right. Uh, and this last weekend, as I mentioned, we had Childeberg. Cody came down. Uh, he was the champion fundraiser for freeross.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much was it that you that you raised in total? Altogether, it was about two hundred and fifty. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I think I think total for the entire weekend, we did six hundred, which uh, doubled our our amount that we raised in Childeberg one. So, and I think you know two hundred fifty. That's almost 50% of the total amount we raised. So I think that's really cool. And I, I'm really appreciative that you came out, uh, brought some of your delicious meat and that that really helped people uh, open their wallet a little bit for a worthy cause. And uh, not only was it something that helped them open their wallet a little bit, but it was also very good and um, made me think that we need to have some mead makers on. And the first one that came to mind was you. Yeah. So there you I go. We we'd get into that a little bit on this episode. Yeah, we get, we get into a little bit of mead making, and um, I got a couple of articles that are kind of uh, current event articles. Although they they are both relevant to the the COVID shutdown, but we've kind of been overshadowed now by um, I don't know to call them riots or protests. Some of them are riots. Uh, some of them are are protests, and I and I. Definitely empathize with them, but I'm not really sure what to say about those yet. I, I think we maybe we'll touch on it, but I think for the most part we'll we'll kind of stick to, I guess, our normal topics, which are how much government is in your drink. So before we get into mead, and actually this may introduce us into mead, uh, Mason, what are you sipping on tonight? Uh, so I actually had uh, a beer today. Um, so this because uh, because of Childerberg, I took this whole week off. And so I was off this week and then, uh, you know, we usually like to do once a month, uh, kind of like a cookout or something at the house. So I smoked a turkey for the first time yesterday. Um, so my brother came over and he brought some beer from Commonwealth Brewing, which is a brewery I've mentioned before in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had their Beach Comer um, Sour Double IPA. Um it has like a whole bunch of weird fruit in it and uh, lactose. So it's uh, passion fruit, orange, lime, tahini, vanilla, beans, and lactose. Interesting. Um, like when you pour it out into the, the glass, it looks like like condensed um, pineapple juice. So it's like very kind of golden, but like dusky. Um, okay. It, like this is the second, you know, IPA that I've done that was a sour and this one wasn't anywhere near as sour as Sour Batch Kids, which is what one of the ones that I brought to Childerberg and I shared, um, specifically brought for Jared from um, mm-hmm. uh, Peaceful Treason. Um, this was better than Sour Batch Kids, but it wasn't any more sour. So it 
was kind of like, okay, I taste IPA. Like you could get some of the fruit, you could get the lactose and like the mouthfeel. Um, but other than that, like it wasn't bad, but it also wasn't like anything to write home about. Like I much rather have okay. been drinking like some Agora brewing mead <laughs> really like, <laughs> you know, but I it was like, okay, I'll, I'll have this and I'll review it on the show mainly. Cause it was, it's like the second time I've run into a sour IPA and okay. I was like, okay, this is literally like two beers in a row where I've run into a sour and it's an IPA. So let me do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, okay. I wanted to get them out of the house. So yeah, so 8.3 ABV, um, they come in a pint can, uh, pretty cool artwork. Uh, Commonwealth always does kind of neat artwork. So yeah, not bad. Sounds good. So Cody, question yes. goes to you. What are you sipping on tonight? I am sipping on the Free Ross uh, Silk Road Mead that I made mm, last August. That's a good one. Childerberg. Yep. Yep. Just the yep. We, we had that. That that's a good one. I've got uh I've got a couple of bottles of well and I have one bottle of that and I have a couple of your other bottles that are for Daniel, who um, mm-hmm. people can follow on Twitter. And uh why don't you why don't, you know, I guess I don't know if we wanna I guess yeah, let's go ahead and let's transition to that a little bit. I'll I'll review my wine in a little bit, but um why why don't you tell us a, a little bit about the wines or the not wines, but the uh, meads that you brought to to Childeberg. Cause you you brought uh, five is that correct? There was one. There was two that were similar, but one was like way spicier than the other one. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So technically, it was six different batches, but it was five categories, uh, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just had the standard uh, traditional mead that I do about a semi sweet, um, and that's the Silk Road that I'm drinking here now, um, which I was posting on Twitter. I really wish I had remembered to buy that orange because this is fantastic with an orange slice in it. Uh, really okay on an orange slice yeah it's it makes it so much better um so there's that uh then i've got the uh blood of tyrants cranberry mead uh which took off because of the label um Mm -hmm. and then there was a peach mead uh that i called boogaloo juice and they all had individual boogaloo side quest memes on the labels so that was fun yeah i I like that a lot yeah um and then we had a there were so originally it was going to be this batch of really spicy jalapeno mead that i had made um and i was going to call it the kick in the dick because of the fag cast joke right right and so i made this whole label up for them but uh what happened is a couple of months before uh i went to go do all the labels i had made another jalapeno mead that i put hops in and it was also a lot more mild so it was a, very tolerable and drinkable um, and I was, I was so proud of it that I put the Fagcast label on it, the hopped one, but the, uh, the spicy one I brought along anyways, just kind of as a joke. And it ended up having okay. much better reviews than I expected. So <laughs> yeah, they, I guess it, it wasn't too it, hot for everyone else. That's the thing is like, it really took off. Like, I mean, it's so, so not surprising, but like, it was so kind of gratifying to see like each one as you brought it out, like people like doing serious reviews and like takes on them and like, and then you're like, Oh, but I also have this super spicy one. And people are like, I'm game. And then right. people were I, like, that's even better. <laughs> like, I could not believe it. How many people were into that. And then, and then the way some of them freaked out, then more people are trying it and they're like, Oh no, this is really great. And I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> 
because I, yeah, I it, tried to drink it by myself, just uh, one of the bottles, because I had to empty it out and clean it for the other jalapeno that I made. And mm-hmm. uh, I was sitting there drinking a glass of it myself, and I couldn't finish it. It was so hot. <laughs> well, it was so interesting. It, and it's like, it's a flavor that, I mean, the thing is, like, jalapenos have a good flavor, even though they're hot. And it was mm-hmm. such an intense jalapeno flavor. And even though it was very spicy, it was just, it was just a really interesting drink it was just it was very interesting and i and you know as mason and i were both kind of wine drinkers um i can see this being paired with stuff because Mm -hmm. it's so spicy the pairing that mead with different things would work out really well so like although mason you won't be into this but uh (laughs) something that's like sour cream heavy uh or cheese heavy something that spicy with something chili i make (laughs) Yeah, yeah, something that's yeah. like a very creamy or like high sour cream, high cream cheese or, or regular cheese, you know, just something mm-hmm. that's creamy that kind of like cuts that heat a little bit. That is going to give you that jalapeno flavor, which is just a good flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also gives you the um, just it's 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 that spiciness that is it's good to have with something creamy to cut it like it it's yeah. that, you know, some things can be a little bit too creamy. And but if you have a little bit of spiciness to it, it kind of cuts that, and it, and it makes it just so much, and it enhances the flavors on both sides. So the well, drink you have, the flavors are enhanced, or on the food side, they're enhanced. Right. Yeah. Growing up, uh, we used to do um, jalapeno poppers on the grill, and they weren't fried, so uh, it was just jalapenos, cream cheese, and a slice of bacon. Yeah, and that's I mean, that, that's what I'm thinking of when you're talking about that cream cheese aspect. I could, yeah, yeah, I could, t- I could totally see like that. That would really, be really uh, sweet barbecue sauce because that's what we all use up here. <laughs> that's true, and that that, yeah. that would maybe appeal more to Mason because he's not a cheese person. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Mason, Mason's, Mason's hearing us talk about about this going like. Oh, Ugh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's funny because he's the one with the lactose in the beer right now. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm. Like I. Like that's I, true. I like yogurt, but like mm-hmm. only specific types. Like it, I'm, I'm not a very big, like I like ice cream and you know I don't mind like chocolate milk and that sort of stuff. But like, and I'll eat cheese in things. But yeah, like anything where like cheese is the focus. Yeah, no thanks. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, well, um, yeah. and then there was one more here that I uh, hadn't yeah. mentioned yet was the uh, another batch that I, I had made over the winter and it came out really good, really fast, which was surprising. Um, a lot of these I need to age for at least six months, and this one was just newspaper. Like I could read read the newspaper through it clear um, within a couple of months of making it, and that was the uh, holiday sizer or uh, spiced apple mead. Oh, that I like that one a lot. That was actually, yeah. really, I thought that was one of one of the better ones. I thought that I, one, one was, yeah that that one, the holiday sizer, and then the cranberry one. I thought were like perfect for Thanksgiving and Christmas lined up. So like the cranberry for Thanksgiving and that holiday sizer for Christmas, man, those were both excellent. Yeah, and, and like I was saying, like Schulderberg, like the cranberry one, like is to me very reminiscent of um 120 minutes so like i found that super interesting that like how much you did enjoy it jacob given that you don't really care for 120 minutes yeah well and that's interesting too is i think my palate has changed a little bit when it comes to uh sort of that extreme hoppiness um mm-hmm. that i think that well i i don't know if that's a proper way to describe 120 minute but like something yeah, about not. that has changed <laughs> i know what you mean. yeah it's like there's this 
it's it's a it's a very strong flavor and mm. i don't know if it's because either i don't taste as well or um but you know i discovered this also over over this uh last week cuz i've been making victoria mixed drinks uh i don't dislike liquor anymore <laughs> which i thought was interesting too yeah so like i i used to not be a liquor drinker at all and i made her a uh, a mojito with um dark texas uh what's the nut that they grow here um pecan so it was a it was a dark pecan rum hmm. and uh i bought that i and i was i was making her a mojito i'm gonna ma- i'm gonna try to make her a gimlet tonight with that uh with some of that um uh whatever tangeray is uh the what's what's tangeray made out of um it's a uh, whatever that liquor is uh I was going to make her a gimlet tonight, but I was, anyways, I was making her a mojito with the dark rum, which you usually use a light, a light rum for it. But I bought that because it was Texas. And I was like, well, you know, we'll use this. And, uh, she didn't care for it. And I remember I took a couple of sips and I was like, really? Like, this is pretty good. And then I poured myself like a little, like a shot of that rum and drank it. And I was like, this is really complex and interesting. The flavors that are in here. And I think it's, I think it's from drinking wine is that, now that I kind of have a palate a little bit for picking out flavors, the the overwhelming alcohol that used to turn me off to a lot of liquors uh, doesn't affect me as much. Like it's very clear that it's boozy. So like when I have something like that now, like this last week, um, either having uh, the, I, I made one with white rum and one with dark rum. In both cases, I could taste the booze, but I think because I have, especially since like I drink a lot of like high brick, and this might lead me into what I'm drinking tonight is I, I do drink a lot of the higher bricked wines. So they are higher in alcohol. Like this one that I have right now is uh, uh, 15.5. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's a Texas, it's, I'm drinking a Texas Tempranillo. So I won't beat around the bush about it. Drinking Texas Tempranillo, it's it's the winery that we visited at Childeberg, uh, which is a Spicewood Vineyard. Uh, it is owned by Ron Gates, who also has a High Plains Vineyard. Uh, this is, um, uh, did I say 15.5? I think it's I think it's I think it's actually fourteen point five. So fourteen point five ABV. This is their twenty seventeen. I also had their twenty fifteen. And Mason, you'll recall that earlier this week I I messaged you and I was like, this wine is not great. Yeah. This twenty seventeen is really good. Good. Uh, so it was just the vintage I think I had. I had the twenty fifteen before, and this is the the twenty seventeen. And this twenty seventeen is excellent. Uh, so I think it was just a bad vintage, or or possibly the bottle was no good. But yeah. um, it's great. It's got a lot of those, um, a lot of the the typical Tempranillo flavors, a lot of spice and that sort of stuff in it. But it also has one of my favorite flavors, and this may be from uh, from oaking it. I, in fact, I think it is from oaking it, is uh, butter. So mm-hmm. there's that butter note to it. And I really like, I like that butteriness in a red wine. I think it tastes really good. Uh, and that's what I'm drinking. Um, I'll give it also an honorable mention real quick because uh, it is Will's birthday and, and Will from Peaceful Treason is uh, living with me at the moment while he's finding a house here in DFW. And uh, it's his birthday today. So happy birthday to Will. Mm-hmm. And we went to uh, a brewery. We went to um, Legal... Ugh, what's it called? Uh, I closed it, but let me look it up real quick. Um, legal... Legal Draft, Legal Legal Draft Brewing, which is a uh, quote unquote downtown Arlington brewery. Uh, downtown Arlington is um, not really a downtown; it's just a 
part of Arlington. But uh, we went there, and the beer was okay until I had. Have you have either? I don't know if you're you're really a beer guy, Cody, but have you ever had a uh, India Pale Lager? I've never even heard of that. Me, neither had I. Mason, have you ever heard of an India Pale Lager? Uh, you know, you know, with me, it's always kind of hard to say for sure. I'm pretty That's positive true. I have heard of one, um, and I may have had one in the past, but like I couldn't tell you anything more than that. So I'll say okay. for sure I have heard of it. Um, okay, but whether I've actually managed to consume one or not, I don't know. Okay, so they so I had their the first beer I had there was just a regular IPA. It's pretty good. Uh, we went back for a second round, and I had one called Y W H Y Key Key K I K I. It's um, Kiki. yeah, Kiki. So Y Kiki, but not Y Kiki like the island. Yeah, but it's um, it's supposed to, like that's what they're playing off. Of yeah, the yeah, yeah. That's what they're that's what they're going for. So it was an India Pale Lager. Un, I won't I won't say unbelievable. Really, really interesting. So it was a combination of uh, that kind of that citrusy hoppiness you get from an IPA, but mm-hmm. then it had this malty caramel flavor that you get from lagers sometimes. So it was hmm. a really interesting combination. Uh, it was definitely heavy. So uh, actually, I think it was only like about six point six point five ABV, but um, it was a heavier mouthfeel beer. So it definitely felt like a heavier beer. But uh, I was happy to celebrate uh, Will's birthday with him, and uh, happy birthday! That that's an honorable okay. mention. You can only get it at the brewery, as far as I know. It's actually not even on their website. But um, I thought it was very interesting. I would recommend it. I don't know if it's one that I would drink regularly, but I would definitely recommend people check it out if they're ever in down, like quote unquote, downtown Arlington. But um, I think that's everything I have to say about what I'm sipping on. What I would like to get into with our guest Cody is. Um, I don't think we've ever done any meads on the show. We might have one time reviewed Blue Lotus mead, uh, but I don't think we've ever gotten into the process of it. I think people understand that it is a uh, a honey wine or a honey um, a honey fermented product. But I thought, Cody, since we have you, why don't we get into like the process of making mead? What makes mead uh, different than other uh, alcoholic beverages, and kind of uh, what got you into that? So we'll just kind of explore that topic for the next few minutes so what is mead sure uh well yeah like you said it's a uh it's basically a wine but the base is honey instead of grapes um it's kind of known as the easiest uh homebrew alcohol to make uh because there's a lot less steps involved um which is why i got into it uh coincidentally i was looking at beer and there was just a lot of equipment because of the the stainless steel pots and all the like boiling process and it just seemed like a lot of mess um but with mead a lot of what you do is uh i mean my my first brew day is the easiest of all of them because all i'm doing is taking the honey water uh i usually include a mug of uh black tea like earl gray or something that just whatever i have on hand for uh, tannins um and then my yeast nutrient uh which i'll get into later but uh yeah you, you just take your main ingredients and you throw it into a carboy which is a one gallon jug like what you'll see your organic apple ciders in at the store and it's usually on the bottom shelf to make sure that it doesn't like fall off the shelf and blow up (laughs) but it's a (laughs) a glass jug with a little handle kind of looks the old moonshine jugs if you see pictures of that um Mm -hmm. 
but I, I throw it in there. And uh, while I'm doing this, I have my yeast hydrating in a bowl with some warm water uh, until it gets nice and frothy. And um, everything else I'm mixing up, I'm, I'm putting it in the jug and shaking like crazy to get it all mixed up so nothing, nothing's sticking to the bottom. And then you throw your yeast in, throw a uh, stopper and an airlock on, and you just leave it for about a month. So it's the easiest process ever, but uh, it's really convenient that way. And I like to think of it like I've got a little garden in my closet. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, uh, I guess I can get a little bit deeper if you want want here on the the nutrient thing. So um, one of the main differences between meat and wine, other than the fact that it probably tastes a little bit different and that, you know, it's a different main ingredient uh, is the fact that honey has a lot less... um, well, tannins. And, Cody, Cody and let me interrupt you I, for a second. I, I sure. started, uh, I started getting a little bit of feedback here. Mason, are you able to hear same. him? I just want to make sure the recording. No, I, I was running, getting the same thing. So I thought it was just okay. me. Okay. No, I just, I wanted to make sure I, I started hearing a little bit of feedback and I want to make sure okay. that we get that uh, last part. I can, I can, can uh, can you, can you go hear ahead? me okay now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Oh, I just so want to make weird. sure. Cause I, I saw, yeah. I think it's every time my phone uh, goes dark, so I'm just gonna keep moving my thumb on the screen here. Okay, good. Okay, that I just wanted so to make awesome. sure because, like, you, yeah, what what you were saying was interesting to me, but then I heard it back, like, uh, chop up, and I was like, oh, I, I hope that this is actually recording still. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So was this right? Was that right as I was getting into the the mead versus wine? The yes. Last yep. part I heard yep. was like shaking okay. everything up. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I pretty much just shake everything up and, and throw a stopper and an airlock on there and leave it in a uh, dark, cool, pl- or well, just a dark, normal place because I keep my house cold. So you want it to be about 68 degrees or so uh, during fermentation. Okay. Um, and yeah, so pretty much the, the play is to put a towel down in the bottom of your closet and then you've got jugs in the bottom of your closet because the, you know, it's just like skunking a beer. You don't want the light to, uh, touch your brew and denature the yeah. alcohol and cause it to skunk out. So, right. right um, right. yeah. And also I hear that the UV actually causes the yeast to, and this is why yeast will grow just like mold in cold, dark places. So it's the, the UV will actually kill your fermentation. So, um, but yeah, so the, the difference between, uh, meat and wine aside from flavor is that, uh, honey has a lot less like natural nutrient and things like that, that the yeast want to eat. So, um, it's basically just a sugar base. Um, your grapes are going to have a lot of times those are fermented with the skins and stems in there. They just like take the, you know, the, the stems with like tons of grapes on them and they just Mm -hmm. throw them into the uh, fermentation vat and, yeah, um, that, yeah, that's how you make red wines. Is uh, is, oh, okay. the, is you you get that tannin from it and the color from the skins. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so yeah, um, and and that's a problem that we run into with mead because a lot of us use wine yeast, and you know they need a lot of help uh, mm-hmm. with the lack of you know of a good environment for them. So we've got okay. um, yeast nutrient, uh, which some will argue I. I it, it depends who you run into. Um, I kind of think of them as more of the hippies uh, because they're going to look at it and go, oh, that's diammonium phosphate, uh, which is, you know, uh, I guess there's been studies run on it and stuff, and, and people don't like the idea of putting chemicals in it. Um, but mm-hmm. from what I can tell is that this is also used in, in the industry 
anyways. And as long as you stay below certain levels, I, I think there's an FDA recommended level, uh, which you're the, I just go by package directions, which shouldn't go over that. Um, and it shouldn't be a big deal. But uh, basically the point is that we're providing nitrogen for the yeast uh, so that they can feed and reproduce um, because mm -hmm. honey is just sugar and that'll get converted to alcohol, but that's not really, you know, it's, it's like complex carbs versus simple uh, sugar. You, you want to have right. some healthy food in their form too. Yeah. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And this is a lot of things you're saying too, about like hippies versus uh, I guess, normal people. Um, <laughs> we, we run, we run into that with like wine stuff too. A lot is where like, mm -hmm. You you get the people who are quote unquote natty wine people, and they want they don't mm -hmm. want to put anything in there. They don't want to put phosphates in it. And, and things is like mm -hmm. a lot of times they make good wine, but the people who use phosphates don't make bad wine. Most most wine uses phosphates and, or 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 uh, yeast nutrients or something like that, and they make very very good wine. Uh, yeah. So it's just I think it's I think it's more of a preference thing, and then and also kind of an aesthetic choice thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and and that goes into one of the next things that I do. So I, I also, when fermentation is done, uh, I will check the gravity, which is going to be a, a meter mm -hmm. that we call a hydrometer. Um, you right. put it in a graduated cylinder and you test how much sugar is in it. Um, mm -hmm. And the starting sugar minus the sugar when you're done fermenting is how much alcohol. Um, right. But so I'll check and make sure that mine is completely dry at a dead zero, which is water. Um, and then... Uh, I'll, I'll add, um, what is it? Sodium metabisulfite and sodium, uh, no, what's it called? Sorry, not sodium, potassium, potassium metabisulfite and potassium sorbate, um, mm -hmm. which are both one, one of those kills and the other is supposed to stop the yeast from eating it. it like okay. messes up their ability to feed. So, um, and, and the point of that is basically so that I can go back and add more honey uh, to whatever level I want, like the semi-sweet that I'm drinking right now, um, mm -hmm. without it starting up fermentation again. Um, and, and the idea is just, I've spent a month letting this ferment out. I've got the alcohol I want. I don't really want to spend any more time waiting for it before I can finally get it, you know, cleared out and put in a bottle. So, right. Yeah. Right. And, and then also, I guess, like, if you're at, if you, the yeast is still active and you're adding more honey to it, it's going to, it's just going to get it more alcoholic and, um, yep. build up carb carbonation, that sort of stuff. If, if you're bottling it, you don't want that carbonation building up behind the cork because it's going to push the cork out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You that, have to get special, uh, champagne bottles and yeah. stoppers mm -hmm. in order to handle that. Um, which is yeah. one of the reasons I don't mess with carbonation because some people will do like a, a light sparkling to their meads and stuff. And they'll, you know, yeah. right in the last couple days of fermentation, they'll throw it in the bottle and let it do that, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, I don't have the proper equipment. And, uh, one of the things that just scares the life out of me is, um, having it explode. Um, yeah. cause yeah. I, I've heard enough stories about the carboys themselves. Like somebody I, I read on Reddit, uh, that somebody was like just picking up their regular one gallon carboy and the bottom just fell out of it and yeah, blew, blew up all over their room. So, and then. And then there's always the stories of glass shards in the ceiling. So I just, I don't mess with carbonation at all. Right. And then that makes sense. I mean, like that's something maybe uh, down the road when you become a successful mead producer in mm -hmm. a uh, 
Childeberg uh, mead, meadery, then yeah. um, mm-hmm. then yeah. you'll, be, you'll be able to you'll be able to experiment a little bit with carbonation. But right, right. now, I mean, all of the stuff you brought to Childeberg was excellent. Uh, great, I think, really great choices on the different flavors to add to it, uh, mm-hmm. and really appreciated it too. Now, I saw on Twitter you had something new, and I saw there was like some leaves in it. Uh, what what is your uh, what's the new thing that you're doing? Well, okay, so that one, those leaves you're looking at are actually quartered jalapenos. I'm just making up another batch of that hopped jalapeno like you had. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, had my mom help me bottle this one before I brought it to Childeberg, and we did just a little uh, taste of it uh, before she left the house, and she almost left the house with one of the bottles. So <laughs> oh, wow. I was okay. like, yeah. I'll, I'll have to get some more of this going. <laughs> this, uh, it came out yeah. pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, so you've got, got, yeah, already you've got, I, it, to me, like just tasting what you've got, you've got definitely a talent and a taste for, for me. And I think that you, this is, mm. this is really going to be a successful product. Then all the meads that I've had in the past have not been for me. And I think it's mostly because they're sweet meads, right. um, but the, but these dry meads really are, I think, palatable for people who either like beer or like dry wines. Yeah, that was kind of my point because I've been a I've been a whiskey drinker for a couple of years now, and so I'm always looking for that um, complexity, and yeah. especially because I'm a Scotch drinker more than a bourbon drinker. So, like you can see right there, I'm I'm not into the sweets as much. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, so I was trying to appeal to my whiskey drinking friends, and uh, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of how it came out. And you know, I. I hadn't even tried commercial stuff until I'd been brewing for a few months. Um, okay. But the the first couple of brews I did, I, I basically just kind of went back and added honey until I got it what I thought it taste okay, and then I just you know let it sit for a while so it would uh, clear out. But um, yeah, so I've been brewing since March of last year so just over a year now uh which is why i think the jalapeno and the uh holiday sizer came out as kind of the the top rung for everybody because those were the most recent batches i had done okay so it's it's really an experience thing showing there i think yeah yeah i I, i'm I'm excited to see what you have uh hopefully for childerberg three if if you come out because uh that I, I'm excited to see like anything new or just how the current batches evolve or how the current recipes evolve and, mm-hmm. and become better. Like even my wife, who's not a drinker really, uh, she likes mixed drinks occasionally, mostly mm-hmm. mojito, but um, even she liked it and she doesn't like anything. So, <laughs> so like I, I was, I, when she tried it and she was like, Oh, I love this one. And I love this one. I was like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. really? Uh, I will wear and, that as a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, I, she's very, very picky. So it, yeah, that that's definitely a badge of honor. It was, it turned out really good. Uh, anything else you've got coming down the pike? Well, uh, I was going to say, as far as any new flavors, I think I just discussed one briefly with uh, Eric on Twitter, Eric Laprice, and uh, uh-huh. so they have they have something in mead called a Boucher. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Uh, okay, so this this will be fun. Um, okay. Basically, the idea is you actually will just gently uh, cook the honey beforehand. Okay. And what that does is it turns some of these sugars into sugars that the yeast can't convert into alcohol, um, the, the ones that are cooked, and it creates a smoke flavor as well because of the, the 
singe that you're going to get up at the bottom and you keep obviously it's very low heat and you have to continue continuously stir it um i'm not sure how long it might be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour of doing this but uh okay and what we had thought to do was to make a smoky mead with uh pineapple and the Ooh. idea was that this would All be right. the new boogaloo mead um because it would be it would be i forget what we were going to call it but it would be for the luau if you catch my yeah, drift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that one also needs to have a jalapenoed version because the smokiness ooh. in the pineapple, but then like with, if and this is kind of one of those, like it's hard to layer kind of things like this, mm-hmm. is if you can either get the heat immediately or the smoke pineapple, then the heat. I know that would be kind of difficult, but like getting either one of those orders instead of kind of, you know, obviously it takes mm-hmm. dialing in, but instead of like up front, it's just like all three at once. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, this right. is okay. can I, can I make a slight modification to your recommendation, Mason? Sure. If it is possible, pineapple <laughs> smoky habanero. Ooh. Yeah. Habanero would, interesting. Would, habanero would be, I think like having both. And that's kind of one of oh, the yeah? things okay. that I was definitely talking about at Childerberg and like, because everybody was saying like, oh, this, but seven, you know, 75% of this for the heat. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, but you also have to have that extra spicy one is kind of like the challenge one, you know, yeah. for that. Oh, and for I think sure. that's what would be good is like, you could have the pineapple jalapeno, pineapple habanero, and kind of the, the two levels. Um, yeah. But I also mm-hmm. think with habanero, it would give you that extra flavor. Now, what would be really kind of cool is if you smoked the jalapenos, but not like to Chipotle level, but like kind of got a char on them and then mm-hmm. used that. And then maybe also did, and I I heard what you said, the the, the method was called, but I, I couldn't re-say it. Um, where you cook the, like what the term for cooking the honey a little bit was. Uh, Bochet. It's Bochet, B-O-C-H-E-T. Yeah. It's a French term, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That would be, I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds, that sounds I, really I, good. I have heard that um, charred jalapenos will do that smoky thing too. So I could do just charred jalapenos and pineapple as a first test to see if it does it enough. And then if not, I could try a bochet as well. But now, that's definitely look, look, on my list. Yeah. What about, about kind of the exp- experimentation part of this is, so uh, tell me again, how, how long does it take to do one batch? Is it, it's a month? uh fermentation is a month so okay the like like i kind of hinted at earlier the holiday sizer was done in like two months but that's like unbelievably fast like it shouldn't have been that good that fast i have no idea what happened but i was like i'm drinking it it's good yeah Um, okay most people online, if you look, they're going to say at minimum, you should have this aging for a year. And I have never gotten that far. So this is an also another thing coming down the pipe. <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that That's super interesting to me. So like, so the, the experimentation though on that is uh, a little bit tricky because you've got to mm-hmm. like pace it out a lot. So I think you do have, and, and this is kind of cool about, about having uh some like right off the bat kind of some winners is that you can continue mm-hmm. to produce these winners, but you can also do these small batches on the side just to see how they work out. Speaking of, um, so if we want to get, I'll get into that, but I'll tell you this real quick. Um, okay. the batches I have going right now are a five gallon batch of the holiday sizer. Okay. And so that's, that produces about 20, 
anywhere from 20 to 24 bottles, probably around 22. Okay. And then uh, I've got a one gallon of traditional going just for fun. And then I've got that jalapeno going. So altogether, I've got seven gallons going. And then I've got a new plan um, that what I'm going to do is every two weeks, I'm going to start a new one. And that way I can try to layer my process that way. Like, let's say a fermentation is coming due, like it's done. It's been a month on one batch. Well, after a couple of months, I'll also have another batch that needs to be wrapped. Um, okay. which, uh, one of your previous guests had mentioned, uh, which is the process of letting things, because I don't have a filter. What I do is I let things settle to the bottom of the glass and then I siphon off the top of it, trying not to stir up the sediment as much as I can. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I do yeah. that about twice and then before letting it sit long term. And then you have to, you know, every time you do it, you have to let it sit even longer because there's just less stuff to settle. Right, um, right. And that's how you end up getting out to a year. But every time I do this, I've got a tasting. So like after fermentation, I can, uh, I'm checking my gravity and that tube of stuff, I'll pour like a third of it into a glass before pouring it back in. So I can taste it as I go along. So I do know kind of an idea where it's going after about a month. Hey, hey hang and on, just hang on just a second. You, you're breaking up again. Just I want to ah. make sure that I get all of this recorded. Mason, are you hearing him break mm-hmm. up? No. Yeah. I, okay. I uh, all right. got to talking again and let the phone go off. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to make sure because like, I'm very interested in what you're saying. So I want to make yes. sure it's, it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. So where, no, where was right. I? Um you're you're saying racking and that's kind of like how you get up to like the full year but you you're doing these tastings yes right yeah so you you rack to get the sediment out um but uh like i was saying it takes longer after every rack to get another rack because um there's you know there's just less stuff to settle out so it takes longer for it to finally get down there um right but and and you try to want to you you want to be sparing about it because the more you rack, the more uh, volume loss there is because there's always going to be a little bit of liquid left in there with the sediment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So usually I go twice and then I just really let it sit because the next time I do it, I'm bottling it. Um, otherwise, yeah. it's just it, it becomes too much loss and honey's expensive, especially the That's kind right. I buy for this. Well, and, and you know, one one thing we've had a previous guest on this uh, about this sort mm-hmm. of uh, the sediment in the bottles or whatever is uh, with wine. I don't know how common this is with mead, but with wine, if you have a red wine, sediment is expected. You're going to have some in your bottle. And mm-hmm. most people are not put off by that, uh, not put off by the idea of having sediment. You want to make sure that you have um, uh not the Pinot Noir bottles, but like just the regular Cab Sauv bottles, because that the way that the neck is shaped, you can catch some of that sediment when you're pouring it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but but it does also give a a little bit of a more you know when when things set when they sit on the um, at least with wine. I don't know how this translates to meat at all, but like when they sit mm-hmm. on some of these flavors, that helps develop the flavor over time. So if if like you know. And I, and I fully plan on doing this is that I'm, I'm probably going to come up through your neck of the woods uh, mm-hmm. in, in the next year, pick up a couple of these meads and drink some and rack some and, and have them age for a couple of years and just see what they're like in, in two or three years. You know, this I'm, I'm a wine guy. I don't mind putting stuff on my shelf for a couple of years in, in darkness and seeing what it's like. So uh, I, I think that'll be a really interesting um, 
just to see how it is. It's like eventually over time that's that is gonna settle out. Like just uh two weeks ago, I guess it was Mason that we had on Ricky. Mm-hmm. That uh rose that I have is I have one still sitting in the wine fridge and uh it was sitting on my rack for six or nine months, I think. And it did it did a lot of stuff settled out of it. And now he had them in uh, Pinot Noir bottles and so it didn't have that kind of like extreme neck where you can kind of filter it out but mm-hmm. uh, there is something about the sediment that it does add to the flavor as it develops like there it, it will for better or for worse I mean sometimes it may not add a good flavor to it but uh, mm-hmm. but you know like you're saying Cody is uh, like two two siphons to me seems perfectly reasonable like i mean you're you're just you're taking you'll have maybe a little bit of sediment left but that little bit of sediment that's left is it's not it's going to be negligible or it, it may even be interesting right and i just remembered there is actually a term for it too uh it's sir it's either sir lee or sir lie uh s-u-r-l-i-e i think because uh, mm-hmm. the sediment is called lees which is the dead yeah. yeast and all that mm-hmm. and so it's called sir lee but i've never I've never experimented with it and I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. Um, a lot of times uh, what I hear is that you just kind of get like with meat, at least uh, you just kind of get like a, a real yeasty bready flavor. If you leave it in there too okay. long. Um, That's, that makes and sense. I don't know if that has to do with like the wine, you know, being uh, a darker color and, and uh having having more of that fruitiness going on that mm-hmm. maybe makes it different um but i would definitely it, it try could be. it yeah I, I know that like for in wine uh if you leave it on the yeast one of the flavors that that they say comes out of that is uh banana is you, you oh, get really? a little uh-huh. bit of that yeah you get you get a little bit of like banana flavor coming out of the yeast uh and now over t- over long periods of time that may not be what you want it, particularly in like a, a really dry cab sob or something like that, you, you know, you're mm-hmm. eating something that has like, you know, raspberries and things like that. And then you get this banana flavor that may <laughs> be considered in wine and off flavor. To me, that sounds very interesting, but, uh, <laughs> but interesting and good are not always the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but whereas like, I think what, what you're producing, not only is it interesting, it was very good. And, uh, and, and I think that the, the proof is in the pudding from that, because that very, that first Friday night that you, me, and I think four or five other people were there, mm-hmm. we went through, I think seven bottles of your mead. And, you uh, seven? I think, I think it might've been so. five, but maybe it was, five. It was still, it was still too much. <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was, it was a lot hung over the next morning. Yeah. 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 I, I was too, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't awful awful it was we were we were definitely hung over but it was because everybody wanted to try it and everybody liked yeah. it that was the other thing so uh you definitely i think have a really good product coming this is you know one of the things that mason and i both love is is the entrepreneurial spirit in mm-hmm. alcohol and um it was it was super cool that you brought it i, I was super happy and also well, thank uh, you yeah it, it was it was it was a it was really cool and and b it was just I, I think you have a knack for this. I think you really have like a, an idea of flavor for mead and, and also what's uh, popular or not, not popular is not the right word, but what is um, palatable for most people, I think. Right. So sort of you, what's going to ha- be your crowd pleasers. Exactly. Yeah. What's going to be yeah. a crowd pleaser and what uh, you had, you had something for everyone. So my wife liked, uh, she tried all of them. She liked all of them fine, but there was two that she really liked. And the two that she liked was the um, holiday sizer and the uh, cranberry. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but the but she was fine with the habanero or the jalapeno one, and the um, the jalapeno was the punch in the dick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kick or punch, it's up to you. Okay, and then the other one yeah. was um, was uh, boogaloo juice. Is that right? Yeah, that was the peach. The peach. Okay, so it's the peach one. She wasn't crazy about. I actually thought the peach one was one of the best ones. I really really? liked. Yeah, I thought the peach one was really good. The holiday one was really good. The cranberry one was probably my third, and then uh, the jalapeno one I thought was super interesting, but was not probably one of my favorites. I thought I thought it was a very interesting one. Uh, Mason, what would you? What was your ranking for? What do you think? So this is one of those ones because like I'm never super strong on flavors and kind of remembering them. Like I really liked the cranberry one the best. Um, okay. Mainly because it was so much like 120 minute, and I just thought that was so different and unique. Um, okay. So that was kind of like where my like my main flavor like fell for it was that was the one I really enjoyed. Now I liked all of them except for the 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 habanero one or not the habanero but the jalapeno ones, just because like it gave me the kind of like drinking liquor and like Jake, both Jacob and I are not really big liquor people. Um, so for me, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, Oh, this is, I get why people like this. I understand the value of this, but it's just not like my favorite flavor profile. And like, it was just like too spicy for me in the end. Gotcha. So, okay. Um, and I get heartburn pretty bad. So like a lot of the mm-hmm. times, like something like that is going to really kind of tear me up. Um, so that's where I was like, eh, but I really well, did like the cranberry one. And that's yeah. the thing is like, my wife used to get like a, like different meads from like the, the grape and gourmet, which went out of business here. And I had forgotten we'd been getting her these ones. And like, there was this really interesting, like plum fruit one that she used to get. And I don't remember the brand of them and you know, the store's out of business now. So I couldn't go in there and try to remember, um, by looking at them. But like, we used to get these ones all the time and they were great. Um, and so it was going to be one of those ones if I could remember to kind of like pass along to you to like take a look at these, not really to cheat, but like to see the different kind of flavors that people are putting together because mm-hmm. they were all very different, it, you know, like plum and stuff like that, um, which, oh, you know, yeah. obviously isn't that different, but like it, it was, you know, just kind of trying to remember from there. But well, I'll, you know, it's nice to, to check out uh brands that are doing more variety of flavors because I think the number yeah, one more thing than that I see like is regular meat. Just, it's yeah it's either it's either a sweet like way too sweet mead or it's got like elderberry wine mixed in to simulate the idea of an elderberry mead but that's oh, yeah, also okay. just like it, it's like sugar water I I liked it the first time I had it but the second bottle I bought I just couldn't get through it it was way too much yeah yeah that makes sense so I'm always good to try you know, it's it's good to see what's out there on the market. Um, mm-hmm. but Especially I if you're going to make like a make like a run at it, kind of knowing yeah. what what the competition is doing. Because there's always like this is one of those things that like you know, and I think Jacob and I kind of suffer from this a lot. Is why isn't anybody doing this? Like, mm-hmm. oh, it sounds like a good idea to us. It must be a great idea. And then it's like 10 minutes later, after a little more research, we're like, oh, <laughs> like, this is the reason people aren't doing, you know, those sort of things. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's always kind of interesting to me to like, see that. But one of the things that I wanted to ask in regard to this um, is, so you were saying, because you don't have a filter, um, and it sounds like you're going to kind of really ramp up the production. Um mm-hmm 
is the is a filter for this sort of thing exceptionally expensive like or just not very so effective or i've i've seen a video of i think it was a mead actually uh this guy was touring a brewery and so i was watching this video and they go back and he actually shows them the process and what they do because it's commercial and uh you know racking i think i think the reason is because racking takes a lot of time you have to wait for things to settle out and that's you know we call it the aging process but i think when it comes to a commercial metery uh they look at it look at that and go well time is money so if we can cut that out that's really good um and so what they do is they buy this big long filter and it's like an industrial filter uh but basically what it is is it's like this rack that's got um a ton of slots for these um micron filters they they're it's like the same material that they make like Sawyer minis out of if you know the little the life straw type things yeah yeah and uh so that's how big the holes in these things are and they've got like a dozen of them on this rack and it forces the they've got a big old pump that they put into the bottom they hook it up to the bottom of the fermenter and uh they force the mead through all of these filters and they get the product at the end and it's like super clear and pretty um I don't know if they make anything like that, that would be, you know, like home size. Um, but I'm sure if they did, it would still probably be at least like $150 implement. And, you know, there's sure. pumps involved, there's extra hosing, cleaning, that thing would be insane. So I'm just, I'm happy to just take a siphon hose and, you know, rack off twice and, you know, every so often throw away my siphon hose and get a new one. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm, perfectly happy to do that because this stuff is cheap like you can the siphon ho hoses i use um i buy from the brew store but you can buy it by the foot at any hardware store and it's the same stuff and yeah. it's like yeah it, it's cheap but um i think i also just remembered a while back uh one of the things i was talking about when i cut out earlier um was the fact that i'm going to be doing this uh as part of the ramping up production i'm going to be um, every two weeks, I'm going to start a new brew. Um, right now it's going to be by the gallon, but I am buying two more five gallon, uh, fermenters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, the idea will be every two weeks I can try something new and just get it fermenting. And then every time one of these comes due to like the fermentation's done, there'll be another one that also needs to be wrapped. Uh, and that'll save me on a lot when it comes to, um, like my my sanitizer uh i have to make a big old batch like uh, usually about a gallon and a half to two gallons of water uh with some sanitizer mixed in uh to sanitize all my equipment uh before i go because you don't want like wild yeast and bacteria starting up when you're trying to feed your you know the yeast you paid for mm -hmm. right um so that, you know, just being able to make like one batch of that and then do all this work instead of making a batch, you know, every time I have one of these come due, it, it would be a little bit more steady and probably a little bit more cost effective. Um, so that's one thing. That make, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. and then next year, uh, like I said, I'm going to try to get these out to a year. So next year when they are ready to bottle, I'll have stuff bottling every two weeks. Okay. And I can say, hey, I've got four bottles of this flavor and four bottles of that flavor. And, you know, it'll be just a really cool process. And, uh, you know, labeling everything will be fun. So looking forward yeah. to it. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be a really cool thing, and I think that you've got uh, everybody tasted it at Childeberg One or Childeberg Dose. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of fans, so I think that you know prepare for a lot more fans at at Childeberg Three. Uh, yep. Let's 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 go ahead and transition a little bit from this topic because we're running out of time sure. to uh, just Childeberg Two in general, Childeberg Dose. Um, I'll start with you, Cody. Is is this was your first one that you went to, Mason? This is your second one. But uh, what was what was something that you really enjoyed about Childeberg Dose, and and something you'd like to see at Childeberg Three? Oh man, uh, I got to tell you, you were not kidding uh, last year when you were saying that it's like we all just kind of fall in together and go about our normal, uh, you know, the way we talk and stuff. Like like we all know each other. It's it's yeah. a pretty amazing thing to experience. I that that alone probably made it for me. Um, okay, but I mean, there was just there was so much great stuff. I mean, the the kayaking was fun. The uh, mm-hmm. the cooking was incredible. And, uh, just, just really getting to, to know everybody, uh, meeting cotton and car and everybody was just, it was the coolest thing ever. I think what I'm looking forward to is maybe next time we won't have as much rain and we can actually get to some serious, uh, volleyball and stuff like that. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, there's something that I was, I was a little disappointed is that we had, uh, mm-hmm. not quite the right weather for volleyball or for wiffle ball. Uh, we did we did get some nice games of uh, bocce in, uh, which you and um, you and uh, peaceful cheese and Jared yep. creamed Rollo and me. <laughs> <laughs> we we got ruined in that game, but uh, we did get a little bocce in. And um, you know, Mason, you didn't you didn't get to do your uh, you didn't get to defend your title as the uh, cornhole champion though this year. No, Jared and I didn't get to defend our title. Um, against people who didn't really seem to want to play or who were heavily <laughs> intoxicated. Yeah. 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 It, that, you know, like, yeah, that, that was a disappointment, but that that's life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anything, anything, Mason, what was it? What were you, what did you like the most about it this year? And what would you like uh, to see at Childeberg dose? Or, um, or, I, man, I keep saying dose with this is dose yes. at Childeberg three. Yeah. So my, the, the, so things I would like to see, I'll start with that. Cause I had a, okay. another chance to rib, uh, Rollo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so one of the things that I thought was really interesting to hear last time, and I think he was talking to Eric about this last time, but I'm not, I don't remember exactly who, and I really apologize to everybody for not remembering who he was specifically talking to, but mm-hmm. he was having like, intense cooking conversations and like talking about like, you know, just going around and talking to people about cooking stuff. And it was just really yeah, yeah. funny in my opinion, cause like just not what I was expecting. And it was, mm-hmm. it was very wholesome. And that's one of the things I really like about these events is yeah, there's drinking, there's people doing a bunch of other stuff, you know, there, there's stuff going on, but it, it's still a very wholesome environment. Like, it's clear that if you're upsetting somebody and like, I don't think I saw anybody who was getting upset that wasn't, you know, like mad at like say a spouse or the person they came with. And it's, you know, you could clearly, you could clearly tell somebody, Hey, can you stop talking about that? Like it really upsets me or something like that. And no one would be offended and they'd be willing to adjust the conversation accordingly. Um, so, you know, that, that's always fun is kind of that. But like, I, I was thinking, it's like, Oh man, I didn't hear, uh, 
Rallo talking about like cast iron cooking, like what the hell's going on? This isn't Childerberg. No, <laughs> but that was one of those things as I was standing there talking into the airport on uh, Monday, talking to him on the airport on Monday morning. Um, yeah, it's like, oh man, nobody talked to him about cooking, but like, I was really worried about missing my flight. So I didn't get a chance to talk to like, you know me, like I'm always like a little paranoid about being late to everything, even though like I'm yeah. clearly on time. So like I didn't want to get into this conversation where I like would immediately have to run. I was also looking for some additional tums at that point. So as I said earlier, you know. Harvard. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, man, like I kind of wanted to talk to him about cooking. And then like, um, so, you know, more Rollo cooking talk. Um, and one of the things that like I need to work on better is just the amount of time I'm going to be able to be there. Yeah. And, um, to be able to, like you said, like, um, on your fag cast appearance with Rollo, um, about being able to go and see more of the site and kind of do more of the activities there. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. I think next year I might book a hotel room, whether my family comes or not, um, just to get a break from the heat. Cause that was the, that was the big thing. I think that like I had an issue with is, it has not been warm here at all. Um, in fact, we only got into the eighties once or twice before I went to Texas and it was 90 plus with humidity. So like, it's been a very cold, uh, spring or cooler spring. And it's, there's like 71 degrees today. Jacob, you would have been in love with the weather here. Um, because it was not really humid and it was, (laughs) it was super nice today, but like going into that Texas heat and just not being prepared for it. Like, yeah. I did, you know, like, as you mentioned in the episode of the fag cast, like I did get sick. Um, I but think, you know what it, it, every, every, uh, every Childerberg that's somebody's got. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. So and, this, this year you were the tribute, <laughs> but like, that was kind of the thing is like, I was not feeling super great when we were at the iron wolf brewery. Yeah. And, yeah. You like, told me that I was thinking about that later on is that cause you, you did say you were just like, cause I looked at you and I was like, you're right, man. And, and you were like, yeah, I think I'm just like really tired or too high or something. And, yeah. And uh, that was the thing is like, I think it was a combination of like, I was drinking water and it wasn't like I was not drinking water, but I think that just pure level of temperature change plus like right. on the flight out, like I, like, this is the problem with COVID um, not to bring COVID into everything, but like, they weren't really serving drinks on the airplanes. So like, I didn't have a lot of drink that oh, wow. day. So like, I was just kind of, I think I was just mildly dehydrated. Cause like I was pounding water at that, the brewery. And I was just kind of like, I'm not cooling down. And then we went to the winery and I was like, perfectly fine. I was like, yeah. Oh, it's nice and cool here. Like, and I was having a few drinks, but like, I wasn't sitting there. Like, you know, I had maybe two and a half glasses of wine there and then, you know, had more water when I got back. And so I think it's just the pure, like, I was not ready for Texas heat this year. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it was it was a lot cooler, I thought, than it has been. But uh, going from, like, a, a much more mild climate to the Texas climate, you know, I've actually, I've been able to, I guess, acclimate to it because it wasn't, it wasn't any hotter down there than it is up here in Dallas. And uh, that, that makes a lot of sense that like, it's just, it is hard. And also, you know, people forget about this in general. Maybe, maybe this is something I do need to think about for Childerberg uh, three is, is putting more water stations up. Uh, Cause you know, people, they don't think about it because when you're doing stuff and talking to people and drinking beers or drinking Cokes or whatever it is that you're drinking, uh, you don't think about how much you need to hydrate, but mm-hmm. it is hot enough that you are 
at the very least sweating mildly the entire time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. You just kind of like, you start forgetting about drinking water. And that was, you know, that first night, uh, Cody, that, that we drank all that mead, like the next day when I woke up, when we went into the, uh, HEB, like I felt like shit, like I felt hungover and, um, (laughs) and then that night, like I didn't really, I, I waited until Mason got there, but I didn't curb my drinking, um, after he got here. But what I did instead was drink water, drink Gatorade, drink water, drink Gatorade, like just to kind of break it up to make sure that I was getting enough hydration. And then when we went to bed and I woke up the next day, I felt great. And, um, I think it's just, it's just a matter of hydration. Yeah. For me, it was as soon as we had, cause we stopped at Chick-fil-A on the way back from the AGB. And as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, I'm, much better now and then i think i had one of those body armor drinks afterwards mm-hmm. so right and, right and that i was immediately just fine yeah but so yeah that, that, so I think hydration that, that, is a big one yeah that's probably that's probably something i need to think about a little bit for uh Childerberg three is is make sure that we've got some hydration stations to make it make water and and gatorade and and, and whatever body armor or whatever the heck the other drink is it may just make sure that's available to everybody and make and just kind of encourage people to drink that because uh, although we didn't really have any medical issues or anything like that, where people were like going crazy or something, you know, Mason, you got, you got a little bit sick, but I think overall you were all right. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, I got sick at like five in the afternoon. So yeah, exactly. Like, I, and, and it started raining like a lot of rest from there. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing is I think one of the things I may do next year is basically have you buy and, you know, I'll pay you back, um, sure. at least one of those big like coolers, with the water yeah. spouts and then yep. we'll just yep. load it with ice and just dump water bottle, you know, water into it. So that way it's cause like when it's right there in your face, it's a lot harder to be like, Oh yeah, I didn't have anything to drink. It's like, well, no, yeah, exactly. There's a, yeah. There's a big thing that, of water right here. And that's exactly what I was thinking is getting like one of those big, like orange coolers, mm-hmm. just loaded up with ice, put some, put some water in from like one of those, uh, one of those things of glug, glug, glug office cooler things is get a couple yeah. of those, just pour them in, make sure that just make sure that people are, are getting a little bit of water, make sure that they remember uh, to, to hydrate. And then uh, I'll, I'll let you guys in on this. And I've, and I've talked about this, I think on some other, other podcasts already is uh, uh, I'm, I'm in communication with iron wolf uh, oh boy. distillery mm-hmm. and um, they do rent out their stage. So maybe we're going to do the same location. We'll see. We'll see how things shape up, but we maybe do the same campsite. And uh, if I can get some Robbie, the fire and, and a couple of other acts to come out, we'll, we'll rent out that stage and we'll have a day at the distillery uh, where we'll have some libertarian comedians or anarchist comedians and uh, music acts, things like that. Uh, maybe a couple of talks from, from, uh, some liberty oriented speakers or something like that. And I think that will be a lot of fun. Uh, people who don't drink liquor, maybe, maybe I'm going to try to call up Spicewood uh, and see if maybe we can get them to come do like a wine tasting there as well. And then uh, in town there in Marble Falls, there was uh save the world brewing and mm-hmm. um, maybe they can come out too. We'll see, we'll see what we can do. Like there's a, there was a lot of stuff in that, that location. I really liked the mm-hmm. area and um I think we're going to do three in that same location. I think that was a really good location for this. I, I, I feel slightly blessed by COVID because that was not at all where we intended to be. Yeah. And but like, you know, it would be funny is like if we did like an event at Emma long and then it turns out to be like 
just that much better somehow. It's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things I think is interesting about Emma Long and, you know, maybe not from a cost perspective, but being able to be in Austin and then yeah. saying, being able to have people say Uber from their hotel or something like that. Uh, yeah. And that, that's definitely not ruled out. Uh, we'll see, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with, uh, over the next couple of months. Uh, I, I do like the idea of Emma Long because it is in a city and people can come out and, and see that. Although I've heard, I've heard the kind of the counterfactual to that where people have messaged me and went like, if you had done it in Emma Long, it would have been way too crowded on a holiday. And, uh, it just would have been no fun. And you would have had like the city officials breathing down your necks the entire time. Whereas at Mule Shoe Bend, nobody gave a shit what we were doing. Like yeah, were, I, I was going like, to yeah, I think like, I don't think I ever saw anybody that worked there other than at the front gate. Yeah, exactly. I think I uh, remember but, you like, know, two Rangers driving by, but all they did was drive by, just make sure nobody was hurt. Like they yeah. never got out of the truck. So, yep. Actually, I think one drove by and I waved to him and they waved back and that was it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with three. It's still in, in uh, formation. That's, and that's basically what I've been doing is, asking people what they want to see at three and what they liked about two uh, or dose. And um, that's kind of how I'm going to go from there. Uh, if anybody who went or who did not go and would is interested in going, wants to see something in particular, they can email me. Uh, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the show right here because we're a little bit over an hour right now. Um, they can email me at tastinganarchy at gmail.com. Uh, Mason, you want to do the rest of the plugs for us? Yeah, so you can always follow us on Twitter, Twitter, uh, uh, Tasting Anarchy on Twitter, Childerberg on Twitter itself. Uh, you can go to tastinganarchy.com or childerberg.com. Um, one of the things that we're going to work hard on this year is having more and more frequent newsletters. So yeah. if you all have a segment or something that you want to kind of put in the newsletter, um, send it along. We're not going to guarantee we're going to be able to put anything in specifically because there's obviously certain things we can and can't do. Um, but, you know, definitely send them along to us so we can take a look and see um, if we can get it in there or at least, you know, tell people about it on Twitter or something like that. Yep. I think that's really good. And uh, Cody, you want to do your plugs for whatever you're doing plus Agora Brewing? Sure. Uh, yep. It's at Agora Brewing on Twitter. And that's pretty much where I stay. Um, I think it's also Agora underscore brewing on Instagram, uh, which I need to update more often because I do a lot of my brew posts and pictures of what's going on. And, uh, you know, it seems Instagram would be the place for that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. I also have a website, the agorabrewing.home.blog, but I I'm really bad about updating it. So, um, <laughs> well, you, you did, you, yeah, you did have though a recent blog update that, yes. uh, I think was very good. So, uh, people can go check that out. It was very nice. Yes. Yeah. I did a Childerberg recap just, just to talk about my brews and, and be a little, uh, self-critical and, and also to kind of take notes on what I thought I could do to make it better because I know I'm going to forget in a few months. Um, sure. So yeah, just, just kind of a place where I like to put up uh, what I'm doing with brewing and uh, with the every two weeks thing coming up, I should be more on top of that. So fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's then a good place to wrap things up. Uh, we'll save our articles for 
next week, which I think we're going to have uh, Maddie Kay on to do a little Childerberg talk as well, but also yeah. to talk about Texas wine. So if anybody's interested in that, tune in next week. Until then, uh, stay free. Stay free. Knock down windows and tan down doors. Drinking Afghans and calling for more. Drinking wine, sport, you to drink wine. Wine, sport, you to drink wine. Wine, sport, you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Drink it, man. Oh, give me some of that slop. Oh, pass that bottle to me. If you want to get along in Peter's town, buy some wine and pass it around. Age runs up to 49. All them cats, they love sweet wine. Drinking wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Wine, for you to drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Hoy! Wine, wine, wine. Elderberry. Wine, wine, wine. Cherry, cherry. Wine, wine, wine. Blackberry. Wine, wine, wine. Horton Sherry. Wine, wine, wine. Oh, pass that bottle to me. Now down on Gilfrey at Willie's Den. He wasn't selling for the American gin. One soldier wanted a bottle of wine. He hit that cat for a dollar and a dime. I drink a wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Pass that bottle to me. Now I got a nickel. Have you got a dime? Let's get together and get some wine. Some buys fifth and some buys fourth. When you get together, you're doing things smart. Drinking wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine. Wine for the Yodi drink wine.